0: Welcome to Making Sense of Mindfulness with Keith McPherson and your co host, Krista Hope.
1: Hi, and welcome to the second episode of Making Sense of Mindfulness with Keith McPherson and myself, Krista Hope. Really excited to have you here and to hopefully bring your questions this week. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Keith is a wealth of information if you're trying to make sense of mindfulness. Um, He is just a really gifted, uh, he's an author and a, um, oh, he he does so many things. So he has a book coming out called Making Sense of Mindfulness. Um, And we're going to talk to Keith and find out more. He's got so much that he's up to that I don't even know what else he's up to. So you there, Keith?
0: I sure am. How you doing, Krista?
1: Great. How are you?
0: I'm doing so well. I I feel like I need to take a huge deep breath because there's been so much happening this week. I feel like all these stars are aligning, and there's just um, man, there's just so many awesome things taking place. And you know, the the response from our first inaugural show last week just got me so excited. I uh, we had a lot of people that listened both live and during the week, and the feedback that we've been getting from the show already is just super exciting. And uh, I think I'm most excited because the idea of creating a community where people can have this forum to talk and to get inspired and to share ideas and insights. It's, it's just really super exciting. So here we are again, second week in a row. Pretty, pretty awesome. Yay.
1: So happy to be here with you, Keith. And,
2: oh, and I, I, I wanted to give everybody today. the,
1: The phone number here to call in with your questions while we have a second, the phone number is 914-338-0905. And if you're not able to call in, you can always email us questions to info at Keith That's right. So, What do you want to talk about today, Keith? Actually, I can ask you a question. I have a question about... um, I hear that you're a musician. Yeah. yeah right? And, and something totally about right. an album being released? Is this true, a book and an album in the same year?
0: Yeah, it's pretty. it's been pretty prolific. I have been working on an album. Um, for the listeners that, that know me from my past and, and still today, I, I am a musician. I, for those of you who are listening and are like, how come Krista doesn't know this? Krista and I mm-hmm. honestly just met about, two months ago at a, a coach training. So it's um, we're also getting to know each other, which is great. But I uh, I have been working on a, a solo album for the last, man, I'd say it's been at least four years in the making this album. And what's so exciting about it to me is it's a real departure from anything that I've ever done before. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, I, I've been playing in a band called Keith and Renee for, wow, probably the last, man, I think we've been together for almost 20 years I always joke that we've been uh, playing music since the age of three. But uh, with that being said, yeah, we are playing this band together. And uh, so this, this new album, Shine, uh, is called, is the title of my new album. It feels like a real departure from the Keith and Renee stuff because it's the first time that I've made a record where I have to say this album is not perfect in the sense of completely perfect uh, with quotations. Um, with the Keith and Renee stuff, we were like going for commercial radio and it felt like when we were producing the music, everything was cut and pasted and there was auto-tuned so that every single note that we hit was perfect. And um, the whole idea of making a perfect record in that sense was so that we could uh, basically hit radio and kind of have that commercial sound. But this um, current album, Shine, that I, I've been working on for the last while, it it's a an imperfect record in that there's, if it lands at radio, great, but but what it really is is this is an album about um, deepening into the present moment and really recording from a place of truth, almost like a photographer would take a picture trying to capture that moment and for what it is in the most vulnerable, raw sense of the word. So this album comes from that real soul place, and I'm realizing that it's the first time especially as a musician that I've recorded something where it feels like I'm actually kind of scared to put it out because I'm scared that there's a vulnerability in me of like, wow, what I hope people enjoy the slightly out of tune vocals and, you know, the, the little nuances that we kept in, but uh, I'm finding out more and more in, in the practice and the work I'm doing that the real perfection isn't in the like perfect notes and the perfect harmonies. It's like, those little nuances is really what makes the music real and live. And it kind of reminds me of how the Beatles used to approach things in the sense of, you know, they, the technology wasn't so great as you could tune everybody's vocals back in the day. So this, uh, this album has a magic that all I can say is it's really real. It's really vulnerable. It's really raw. And I'm, excited and super scared to to release it to the world which is probably a good thing. So that's a long winded answer to a, a bit about this album but it's, um, it's on its way. It's coming out a little bit later this year probably I think the earliest will be around April, May is what we're looking at.
1: Wow, I can't wait to hear it. I think that um, coming from that vulnerable place Keith it just tells me it's going to be it's going to be amazing because um, I find the best things come from that really raw, vulnerable, real place.
0: Yeah, they do, you know, and it's, interesting because we 're in a, a world that 's so conditioned to think that everything needs to be perfect, you know we see all these I think we see over a million advertisements a year, and everybody 's airbrushed in the advertisements and everybody 's got the perfect body and the perfect shape and you 've got to look this way and it 's interesting that that 's also filtered into everything down to having the perfect music with the perfect sound and and we've mm-hmm. kinda, I kind of feel like we 've lost a little bit of the truth, like the depth of who we really are in this moment, which is not always perfect in the way we've defined perfect. Um, I love the work of Brene Brown, this amazing author. And for those of you listening that aren't aware, check out Brene Brown. Um, there's a a book called the gifts of imperfection. And it's all about realizing that it's not being who we think we're supposed to be in that perfect way. It's like showing up raw and real and the most honest version of ourselves is is truly from that authentic place where um, perfection actually is perfect in the imperfect, you know?
1: Well, Keith, I need to do some perfectly imperfect. Um, I need to bring on our first caller here. And, and oh, I have, call we have a guess.
2: caller.
1: We have a caller. His name is Pierre. Um, I'm going to, now, bear with me. Here's my perfectly imperfect. We're this is a new technology to me, and so this is uh, I'm figuring it out live. <laughs> so, with well, that's anyone, one of the I'm reasons really...
0: why I think this. That's why I love this show. It's because it's um, it's it's real. That's what we want to create here. Is is not the perfect. We want to create real. No,
1: so be not imperfect. Perfect yet. That, this, and that's perfect. This is, this is, Yes, absolutely. Well, Pierre, are you there? I am here. Hi Pierre, welcome to the call.
2: Here's Keith. Well, thank you very much. Hi Keith and Chris. I'm quite honored to be the first official caller on the show. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, Pierre. That's fantastic. And uh, all right. Yeah. Welcome. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Okay. So, as we know, uh, mindfulness and the breath is uh, those are pretty well connected. And I was wondering if you could possibly elaborate, Keith, on like certain breathing, let's say, techniques that um, you use or you'd recommend to, let's say, increase energy in the morning or, you know, those, those times of day when you have those lulls and you need maybe certain breathing patterns. And also, with the, the breath in mind, which we know is key to singing and everything else, are there any techniques that you use to also wind down, to get that good sleep? And, uh, you know, so I'm looking at both ends of the spectrum. A breathing technique it mindfully using it to get you started and get your day just you know productive as ever and when it's time to wind down is there a type of breathing technique that you recommend or use that you can just wind things down slow everything down and then fall off to sleep oh man that is those
0: are that's a great question and i love that our first caller on this show is talking about the importance of breathing it's so exciting our breath when you think about it um the ancient Hawaiians would refer to our breath as mana, meaning it's our life force, it's our energy force. And what's so interesting is in North America, the majority of us are such chronic, shallow breathers. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I think because of how much stress we're all carrying and the anxiety of our phones buzzing and emails going and all of that, there's, um, there's this part of us that the breath automatically gets tight and shut down. And yet, um, our most natural state is when we're breathing deeply and when we allow that mana, that energy to come in and 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 just even taking a deep breath right now um, can move us into this state of more relaxation, as you're referring to, Pierre. So it's a great mm-hmm. question. And um, if I were to give you some uh, ideas on, on breath work, the, the first thing that pops into mind for a, a morning practice, and it's something that I practice almost every morning faithfully is um, a breath that originated from the ancient Hawaiians, and it's a, a breath called the ha breath. Ha in Hawaii also is a, a word for breath. It's even in the sound hawaii or aloha or mahalo, these Hawaiian words. And the idea of this, this ha breath is um, there's a couple of parts to it. it. It's also, I've wrote about this in my, my upcoming book as well. But um, the practice of it, if I can demonstrate this over the radio here, is you start with taking a deep breath in through the nose, and on your exhale out, you make the sound as if it's almost like you're fogging a mirror. Um, in, in Canada, where where I live, and I think you live too, Pierre, it's, uh, we're experts okay. at this in the winter when we, we're warming up our hands going, and it's... Um, but it's the idea of slowing down the exhale breath because our life force rides on the breath. So when we slow down that exhale, it allows all the energy points in our body to open up and it makes us present. So that's the first part of this ha breath. The second part is that energy flows where your attention goes. So if you're taking a deep breath, but your mind is just like scattered or everywhere, um, it's only so effective. So, The other part of this that really is effective is when you place your focus on two what they would call pico points, and you literally watch your breath move from one point to the other. So, for for an example, what I would say is...
1: I believe we lost Keith there, briefly. Mm -hmm. Keith, are you still with
2: us? I'm still hanging in, yeah. I'm breathing.
1: His breathing took him right off the air. He got so... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. connected I'm sure he'll get right back on here um sure. Pierre are you following that did you feel that that haw
2: oh for sure yeah, yeah yeah definitely it's you know it's that whole that the idea of yeah, where you're focusing everything and then breath that, that's key I think right it just you, you just got to fine tune certain things right
1: yeah do you currently have a morning practice Pierre
2: uh, you know, I'm, I'm slowly developing that because I'm doing some, um, also some Qigong in there too. So I'm using mm-hmm. the, that kind of, you know, moving meditation as well, right? So that's, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just, if you're just lying in, you know, lying in bed there and just kind of to get yourself going, I, that, that's, uh, I think that's the key, you know? But it's good, yeah. to have, good to have like different techniques and different points of view for sure, you know?
1: Absolutely. I think he's back with us now. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> for all right. some reason,
2: all right.
0: Our technology went crazy. I think the power of the ha breath was just taking us over here. <laughs> it's, uh, this stuff is really live. Like, it really is powerful. And um, whether it was just Blog Talk Radio's technology or the uh, the power of the haw breath, I'm not sure. But um, I just wanted to finish my the point I was making about focusing on two points. And so when you're taking a deep breath in through your nose, you, you bring your awareness just above the crown of your head. And you breathe in. And you imagine that breath coming in through the top of your head and on the ha breath out, you watch the breath travel all the way down and out through your feet. And I like to do that repetitively a number of times, breathing in, focusing at the top of my head and ha breathing and watching it all the way go down and out through my feet. And there's a power in that. Um, it, it aligns you. And, and it's something I'd encourage you to, to try every morning and get into the habit of it and then it's something you can bring into your day too in those moments where you feel everything tightening up you just take a deep ah, breath and your body because it's it holds all your memory will will automatically start remembering oh it's okay to relax and on the physical plane all those energy points start opening so that would be the morning practice
2: is that helpful so far Oh, oh very good. Oh yeah, definitely I can, I can feel it. Like I say I can feel you you're you're breathing the hot breath. I can take it all in, man. yeah.
0: Oh good. Okay. Well, and, and just the second part you were asking about was the the evening practice. Yeah, the winding down. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one too. And there's a another really powerful practice called um three-part breath. And this one uh originates as far as I know out of um a yoga tradition. And the idea is again, based on bringing mana or prana into your body. And basically, um, on a three-part inhale, you're going to split the breath up into three different sections. So you inhale a third of your breath to the belly, a third of your breath to your side ribs, and then the final third of your breath, you bring it up into your chest. And then you hold for five seconds. And then on a deep, if you can, and then on a deep ha ah, breath out, you just empty all the way down to the bottom. And when you get right to the bottom of your lungs where you think they're empty, you actually do an extra couple of ha, uh, ah, ha, ah, ah, ha, just to like really empty it out. And it's a repetitive practice. So it's like inhale, belly. Inhale, side ribs. Inhale, upper chest. Hold for five, four, Three, two, one. And exhale through the mouth. All the way down till you get to the bottom. And then it's... And then you repeat. And, and that breath, um, again, is based on the premise of, of focusing the mind and the body and also um, slowing down the breath. Because when we slow down the breath, the body begins to relax. And it's also a way to, to refocus our mind off of... Going through all the analysis of our day and going, oh, well, did I do that right? I shouldn't have, I should have, which is really a, a, I call it the saboteur, that monkey mind that can tell us all the things we should have or shouldn't have done. And it, it refocuses us so that we can move into a state of deeper, deeper REM sleep. So that's um, a couple Ooh, of
2: techniques that I that, use regularly. One Awesome! Yeah, well, thanks I very much. It, I, I, it's just the idea of getting into that practice too, like you say. You know, you know, it, it only will get better as you practice it, and just becomes part of the the, the routine and the ritual. So I'm um, looking forward to it. And um, like I say, thank you very much for the the very detailed uh, you know techniques. And I like I said, I can go back on the the podcast and uh, make sure I get these techniques down right.
0: Yeah, and keep me keep me posted how they go. If if you need any help, just definitely. Um, be f- feel free to email and call in or I- I'd love to support you. And we're, we're actually working on some online training videos with some of those techniques too, to just offer and kind of grow our community into more breath, more ha breathing. So, um, yeah, if awesome. you're, stay on the line, stay on the line after this call. And, uh, Christa will get your, your address. We're going to send you a, a free copy of my new book, making sense and mindfulness. It's coming out oh, in April. Yep. So we'll, we'll get you that.
2: Fantastic. <laughs> You made my day. Yeah. Thanks a lot,
0: Keith. And you made mine. Thanks for being the first brave caller on the
2: show. That's just awesome. You betcha. Keep up the great work, Keith. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank
0: you. Yeah, just stay on the line. We'll be right back with you there. So.
2: Will do. That's
0: great. great. I think it's just awesome. We had our first live caller on the uh, Making Sense of Mindfulness show, and um, we want to really encourage people to, to call in during this show just to uh, – to bring your questions, it doesn't have to be about mindfulness. It can be about whatever um, truly is on your mind. I, I'm happy to help you through anything that uh, that you've been working on. So, Chris, are you
1: still there? The, yeah, I'm here. I just wanted to bring in the phone okay. number in case people missed it at the beginning. The phone number to call in is nine one four three three eight zero nine zero five. Um, and what he said at the end there, Keith, I thought the biggest learning for me in my practice has been learning to make it a sacred practice and that it really is for me. And once I got connected to that, all the other pieces sort of fell into place and it was just easy to make space for it and to bring it into my day. And I naturally came back to it, but I had to sort of shift my mindset I don't know, if, did you experience that when you were starting out, Keith?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's um, it definitely is something that requires practice. And at first, it can also feel a little bit foreign, like, um, is this really working? Like, I don't even know if this is working, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's something that takes time and persistence. And, and it, it does become a sacred practice because when, once the mind and the body start working with each other, through that powerful breath um it just there's something that that becomes more activated like things start connecting in a way that we really weren't aware of before i mean i i have no doubt that earlier on in this show when i started focusing my attention just above my head for the inhale like and my phone died like it literally cut out the i i believe that's all connected in some way and it's um it's like the spirit that's connecting us all together and we tap into that. So beginners to the ha breath or to the three-part breath, like stay with it. Stay, stay with the practice and repetition is going to bring you some pretty cool results. So,
1: Absolutely. Um, I have an email here, Keith, from Jennifer. Uh, I'm going to ask you that now. I've been told that mindfulness means being still and doing nothing. This doesn't seem to work for me. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. Do you have any suggestions as to why and what I can do to try mindfulness? And Keith, I just want to say I'm really excited for this because this, this is such a relevant question in the world of mindfulness.
2: It
0: sure is. Yeah. Thanks for your, your email, Jennifer. That's really awesome. And um, you're not alone in that, that comment about the uh, being in that state of, this isn't working and I being still and doing nothing and what's going on. And, you know, it's, it's such a common thing. In fact, um, just this week I was leading a workshop, uh, with a group of teachers and there was a couple of teachers commenting in one of the exercises about, uh, I can't slow down, slow down. That's impossible for me. I'm, I'm from the range of always doing more and it's like, I I have to be busy. Uh, Slowing down is not working for me. Um, what I noticed, and what we were noticing during that workshop, was that when we do actually slow down, especially those of us that are, are super fast-paced and um, live a really active lifestyle, when we do slow down, um, it's it's kind of well, it's so such a foreign thing to 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 literally stop all of our busyness. But the question I have, um, Jennifer, would be, what is it that's uncomfortable about slowing down for you like um, a lot of times and I mean you're not here live on the phone it, this is an email but but my intuition is starting to put me in this state of what um what is it is there something that perhaps when you slow down you might be avoiding like is there something that you're avoiding and so you fill your time up with always being busy and when you slow down the question would be like is there something What what is uncomfortable about like if you were to dive deeper what is uncomfortable about slowing down and being still um, I could tell you in my own experience of that because I although I, I do a lot of teaching of mindfulness practice, I feel like I am naturally wired in my comfort zone to be doing lots being busy um, even you might even tell in the tone of my voice when'm I'm, when I'm talking that it's uh, it's fast paced and it, it, my mind is always 50 miles ahead of me. Um, But I've personally realized lately that when I do slow down and I dive in, it's like, what am I scared of about slowing down? And for me, my truth right now has become a place of, um, for me, my mind is correlated. If I slow down, I'm going to miss out on all the awesomeness that if I'm busy, I I won't miss out. But ironically, what I've been finding is that um, when I do slow down and I give myself that space, I actually um, open myself up to more opportunity, which is so the reverse of what my mind tells me saying, I need to be busy so that I don't miss out. But as I do slow down and I get more comfortable with that edge of slowing down, I'm realizing that I, I actually accomplish more by trying less. So my advice to you without speaking to you directly would be um, if you can, Slow down, even though you don't want to. But in the slowing down, you might even want to ponder the question, what is it that I'm resisting? Like, What is it that I'm avoiding? Is there something I'm avoiding? And, um, and sit with that fear there, because I'm sensing there might be some fear in slowing down. So, you know, whether you journal about it or you ponder it while you're driving or while you're doing all these things, but to, what is it about slowing down that... Um, is bringing up this resistance in me. So maybe take some time with that. And, and if you get courageous enough, give us a call and let us know um, what, what your answer is to that. Cause I think we all could benefit including myself. So I hope that's helpful to, uh, to answer your, your question about slowing down and mindfulness practice. So, yeah.
1: That's a, that's a great answer Keith. I, I feel that's, probably the biggest hindrance to people embarking on a mindfulness practice is this, our world is not slow. And it feels counterintuitive to how we live our lives. And especially in our North American culture, how we, we are just go, go, go. And in my experience, living even in different provinces within Canada, that can be different, um, so it's a little counterintuitive to how we live our day-to-day life. But um, for me, that's been one of the hardest things is to slow down and take that time for myself and to make that important. But yeah, I it, there's, there's you get through it. I just want to say that, that keep persisting and giving yourself that gift.
0: I'm curious, Krista, since we're on the, you're on this call too, like for you, like, when in those moments of slowing down, um, what, what is it for you specifically? Like, have you gotten to a place of what's the resistance to slowing down for yourself?
1: Hmm.
0: Or do you know, Honestly, or is there resistance?
1: <laughs> yeah, less so now, but, but I mean, I've been up to trying to create mindfulness practice for years now. Um, and, 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 organically creating different mindfulness practices as I explore different things. Um, the resistance for me has been, It's a great question. I think it's just so different than how I've learned to live life. So it just wasn't a natural feeling. I didn't grow up with, with slow moments being put into my life and it was just, busy and caught up in the energy of the environment all the time so it was just almost unnatural Mm, although it's so natural
0: (laughs) I love that you're bringing this up because that's another interesting perspective around this that a lot of us too have been conditioned from a very early age to just be busy and do more and get more and be more and I mean it's our parents that maybe got conditioned from their parents and so on and it it gets passed down through, through the generations. And we start collectively taking on this culture of be as busy as you can be su- success equals how busy you are. I mean, a lot of times the first question we ask people when we're, or the first couple of questions we ask people when we're spending time with them is that, what are you up to? Right? It's not, um, yeah. when did you have your last meditation? I mean, that's a very interesting thing is that we are almost wired to, prove our our worth or whatnot too around how busy we are and how much we have going on. Um, And yet the the consequences of that at times can be we're doing so many things, but none of it's being done with intention. You know, that's just popping up as well (laughs) from what
2: you're saying.
1: Yeah. And, and, and in that, I think we underestimate how much, we are being affected with our nervous systems just with what we're being inundated with, with, whether it's, um, media or, you know, social media, it's, um, our, our technology age is very fast moving. And, and I I don't think we honor that well enough as a society to give ourselves the counter action of that to find the space within that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you're mentioning space. Um, <laughs> I just spent the last three days uh, here at my house. We, My wife and I decided we were going to take on some uh, projects in our house. And in order to do it, some renovation projects, We, in order to do it, we had to start literally spring cleaning in the middle of uh, mammoth winter here in Canada. And it's um, a powerful practice. If, if you haven't done this before, it's just literally going through all your stuff it's amazing how much stuff we've collected on a physical level and and deciding like am I going to keep this or not and um, you, you mentioned space and you know it's just such a foreign concept but even down to the like materialistic part of who we are I don't know about you but I just feel like so much stuff just gathers in my place without me even trying you know people give me stuff and books and tapes and all this stuff and it's going through it and the memory attached and, Oh, do I really want to let this go? And um, anyways, I, I once heard that it, if you haven't worn it in a year, it's no longer yours. So, so give it away, get rid of it. And so I was going through my closet this weekend and just going, okay, well, I haven't worn pretty much three quarters of this clothes that's been sitting here taking <laughs> up space. So there's someone else is going to want to be wearing this as opposed to me. And, this idea of just give it away. And in that practice, even on the physical level, it creates space for the new to come in. And there's this beautiful cycle of, of creating space in our lives, even that way.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. Are you feeling that energetically now? Keith? Have you felt, are you, are you feeling the space that's created?
0: Yeah, I actually am today. I woke up this morning and I've moved my, my meditation space the whole room to a new part of my house. And I just feel that the area that I've now set up my meditation room in has so much more physical space. It's a bigger room and so much less stuff. I decluttered it. And just energetically this morning, as I was um, doing my ha breathing, actually, I just was so much more in this state of clarity. I mean, I just had this feeling that I could, um, create like anything was possible. I almost got this feeling of like just wide open possibilities. And I, I'm almost convinced that's from the going through the practice this weekend, which was quite tedious, but clearing out all of the, uh, the no longer needed stuff, you know, so definitely feeling the energetic effect of that.
1: That's awesome. I'm uh that's one of my favorite feelings. No, right.
2: um, oh, it's great. <laughs>
1: Let's bring in another. We have a few more emails here, but let's bring in another one from Emily. Emily asks, "When is your book coming out, and what is your favorite part that you wrote about?" I I want to know that answer. <laughs> great question,
0: Emily. Wow, thanks thanks for the email, Emily. That's a great question. Um, well, as far as I know, the book is um, going to be in my hands in April from the publisher. Um, so that means that I'll be able to start. Um, shipping it out to people that are waiting for it in April. And I know there was some people that pre-ordered at a few recent events of mine. So that's the estimated arrival date. The official release for the book is going to be November 20th this year. So there's still quite a wait till it is in the bookstores and whatnot, but um, yeah, you can get it sooner off my website. So that'll be up there soon for a pre-order opportunity. Um, but I love this question. Thank you for for asking about that. I I'm really trying to sit with what my favorite part of this book is. It it kind of shifts throughout, but um, right now, uh, the first thing that pops up for me was ta- I, I was talking about it a little earlier in the program, but I wrote a whole principle or a whole chapter on on this principle called expose your saboteur, and it's uh, that part of us that we've been talking a bit today about conditioning and the conditioning of our mind, and it's that part of us that pops up in our, our inner mind and starts chatting at us and telling us all the things that we're doing wrong and all the things we could be better at and all the reasons why things aren't working out. Um, even right now on this show, I in the back of my head, if I really sit with it, I have this Voice for it comes up as a voice for me that's that's chatting at me and it's telling me oh you you didn't give Pierre the right advice or um, geez you know the technical phone cut out and now it, everyone's going to listen to this and think this is an amateur show and if I if I really expose my saboteur right now it's telling me things like somehow I've got to prove my worth and I have to have people like me and it goes on and on all day long and it's it's the part of us that basically is trying actually, it thinks it's keeping us safe. It's, it's the part of our brain that back in, in the ancient days, it might be the part of our brain that protects us from being eaten by lions. But, um, now as, as we update, we realize that this part of us at times is no longer keeping us safe in the way that it thinks it is. It's the part of our brain that's actually stopping us from, from taking the risks that will grow us. So, um, this 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 saboteur piece that I wrote about I think was probably one of my favorite parts of the book because it it was so real and relevant to what I personally was going through and still am going through as I write and talk about it it's um It's the part of me that that comes up and really challenges me at times to uh to question do i should I stay in my comfort zone or should I take the risk um and I should mention this part of you it not necessarily has to be a voice that's talking in your head. This might just be a feeling in you that comes up when things get a little uncomfortable or edgy, like that tightening of your chest or butterflies in the stomach or um, I don't know, sweating or shaking or throat getting dry, you know? Um, But in the book, I talk about perhaps making this saboteur a character, you know, thinking about what might your version of this, part of you that's trying to keep you safe but is actually stopping you from stepping into your truth what might it look like you know mine right now currently looks like a a little stick character like a little stick man and it's pointing its finger at me in the back of my head and it's telling me all the reasons that i should be doing better and i should be doing this and shouldn't be doing that and um so i think it's really time to stop shooting on ourselves literally you know it's um one of, those kind of, <laughs> one of those kind of indications is when you notice in your brain or even out loud using words like should and shouldn't, there's a, a really good chance that your saboteur is, uh, is present. So one of the principles in the book is expose the saboteur. And that's really what uh, this practice is all about and one of my favorite parts of the book. So thank you for asking that question, Emily. And uh, if you call in, we'll send you a free copy. So you won't even have to pre-order it hopefully that answers your question though
1: that's a that's a a great that's going to be a great chapter Keith. um there's so much there in the saboteur but it brings up for me this is the whole purpose of of mindfulness really because yeah in in connecting with your deeper self you can decipher between my saboteur self and 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 what's truth and the connected self would you agree
0: most definitely it's um i call that the process of discernment you know discerning between the two parts of us and so often we kind of have this dualism within us we've got perhaps one voice or feeling saying oh you can't or you shouldn't and there's this other part of us that comes in, it it almost whispers like at times it's our, our intuition and it says, go for it, or you can write the book or you can record the album or you should sign up for that course or you should go talk to that person. And, but it's a different kind of should, it's the the kind of should that comes from that, that place of just inner knowing. And yeah, there's, there's a real discernment between those two energies and it it definitely is at the root of, of a mindfulness practice for us.
1: Yeah. So, Keith, I, have a, I have a question for you on that, because, you know, it's, it's great to hear someone like you is having these struggles with with your saboteur, especially after your years of mindfulness. Um, but yet you're still you're still moving forward and doing things. I mean, with a book coming out this year and an album, you're you're obviously not allowing that voice to control you. So so what's the what's the trick? Is there a trick? What what's? give some advice around that of how you're creating so much, but still having that voice in the background.
0: Mm, That's such a great question. (laughs) It brings up a lot of saboteur in me as you ask it, because (laughs) uh, there's not just, there's not just one answer for that. Um, Wow. Great question. I think it's, uh, it's a practice of noticing, noticing who's running the show. Um, is my saboteur at play here? And if it is, it's naming it. It's exposing it. It's going it's, – it sometimes might even be to the extent of going – I using the language even. I have a saboteur right now like I just did with you. And the saboteur is trying to run the show for me. And the thing is, as soon as I expose the saboteur and I name it, I, I get to decide at that point. I'm back in the power zone of going – Okay, do I want to let my saboteur run the show because I've named it and I've exposed it? Or do I want to tap in and see what my intuition has to say? So it's, it's a, a practice of the being in the present moment and really noticing when saboteur comes up. It's powerful because the saboteur not only is um, individual. I mean, it's been said that we all have a version of the saboteur playing out in our lives. You know, um, and so at times it's interesting somebody saboteur might um, take them over and they might, for example, make a comment at me. And all of a sudden it brings my saboteur up going, oh, my gosh, like they're mad at me or they don't like me. And then all of a sudden my saboteur can run the show. And before too long, we have this sort of battle between the saboteurs going on. So it's a very relational based uh, phenomenon as well. So to, to expose the saboteur. To to stand in the truth and go, this is really what's going on. Um, It's the idea of actually naming those unspoken agreements that are being made under the surface and saying, no, hang on a minute here. What's really going on in this present moment and naming it? As soon as we do that, um, it loses its power. And we're in what the Hawaiians would say, kala, freedom. There are no limits. You know, when you clear out all the pilikia, trauma, drama, sticky troubles, they call it. And uh, the sabbats are included in there. Uh, on the Outside of that kind of jar that we get stuck in, there's, there's just absolute freedom.
1: Wow. It's so great to hear from you, Keith, because I know I do a lot of listening to a lot of, of thought leaders and a lot of shows and different things. And Oftentimes, I can put those people on pedestals because they don't talk about that. I mean, Brene Brown is a great example of talking about vulnerability, but so many thought leaders don't talk about the raw truth of it all. So to hear someone like yourself doing all of this out in the world, making a difference and having that in the background, it's it's really, it's hopeful and inspiring. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that
0: thank you for that acknowledgement too. It's um, I mean, I, I feel like it's it comes back full circle to that theme earlier of it's really allowing ourselves to be in our saboteur's version of imperfect is really what is perfect. It's, it's like giving myself permission to be imperfect is really where the perfection lives in all of us, you know, take the risk, dare to fail when we fail, it's when we grow. It's um, dare to show the vulnerability. It's 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 worth it. It's so terrifying on one level to our saboteur, but it's so freeing on the other. So, thank you for that acknowledgement. That is so uh, makes my heart happy.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, um, I wanted to just reiterate that people can send in emails throughout the week if you aren't able to make the show. Oh, it looks like we actually have another caller here. Do you want to try to take this call really quick, Keith? Yeah,
0: Yeah. let's take it for sure. That sounds great. All right. So we're going to bring them right on? (laughs) Bring them right on. Okay, perfect.
1: Hi there. You're on the air with Keith. It's Rosemary.
0: Oh, hey, Rosemary. How are you
1: doing? I'm doing well, and I'm uh, enjoying listening to your show tonight, and I have a question for you.
2: Oh, okay, great. Yes.
1: Um, what steps can I take to, um, to promote mindfulness at my workplace? Oh, that is
0: an awesome question. Um I'm getting cued here that we only have 90 seconds, so this is going to be a quick answer tonight (laughs) before the end of the show, to improve mindfulness at the workplace. Um, Well, I'm going to say the first thing that pops up is a Gandhi quote that says, be the change you wish to see in the world. And I'd say, Rosemary, be the change you wish to see in your workplace. So if there's a bunch of Pili-Kia drama-drama going on there, don't participate don't don't get involved with all the drama drama and i'm not saying you are but i would i would highly suggest um your own practice of mindfulness of staying present whether it's practicing yoga doing these breathing techniques we were talking about that's that's going to just automatically have an influence on everybody at your workplace does that help does that resonate
1: yeah it does because uh Um, we exude what we practice, I think, and people pick up on that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's beautiful. beautiful um, Yeah, we're we're on wrap-up mode here, Rosemary. So we can just put you on hold, and if you have some more questions, we can bring you back. But we're here next Monday again for Episode 3 at 7.30. Is that Central Time, Keith?
0: it's uh yep 7 30 p.m central time and oh just so we know rosemary stay on the line because we're going to send you a free copy of making sense of mindfulness too so just so you know
1: awesome thanks thanks for the great show keith and thanks for being here everyone and bring your questions and have a great week